Hey, welcome. We are so glad that you're here and we have got an absolute powerhouse packed treat for you. Uh, a, a gentleman who has become not just uh, my hero, but also uh, an unbelievable friend. And uh, we just want to just welcome Rob McCoy. Come on, can we put our hands together and welcome Rob McCoy from God Speak Church. And I mean, how prophetic is the name of your church? Because I know that God has been speaking courage into not just us, but into churches right around California, right around the nation because of you. So thank you, Rob. Thanks for being with us. That's an honor to be with you, Jurgen. You're a treasure. Oh, you, you, and, and you're there's amazing. A, there's, there's no words in the English language. We'll have to get to heaven before we can get the right words to describe how I feel about you in this fellowship. You, you bless me more than you know. I love you. Come on. Well, the feeling's mutual. Let's, let's give Rob a great, great uh, round of applause. Rob, right now it's, it's uh, winter. We've been just uh, inundated with negative media articles and uh, people who don't know any better going on to all of our social media and posting very, very nasty things because of the spike in coronaviruses, why we're we not adhering to Governor Mussolini's lockdown, shutdown, restrictions the the city wants us to to move outside it's winter wants us to move outside even though when we were outside during the summer they were relentless and persistent in their persecution of us when we're having services outside uh what would you say would you say that you know as a duty of care to stop people from getting a virus that we should shut up shop what 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 would you what would your thought be on that (laughs) you're teeing this up (laughs) First of all, uh, COVID-19, the IFR, the fatality rate, depending on what you look at, but conservatively speaking, 0.05%. So you have a fatality rate of 0.05%. So in our county alone, and I'll show you the data momentarily, vcemergency.com is where we have our county data. We've had tragically over 170 plus deaths attributed to COVID. Now, when I was put on the witness stand during our trial, we had done a Freedom of Information Act, and we got from the county uh, the, the, the legitimate statistics. And at the time, there was a little over 100 deaths in our county attributed to COVID. Of the little over 100 deaths attributed to COVID, only two died from COVID, a man in his 90s and a woman in her late 70s. The rest died with COVID. Now, that's true across the nation, and the governors put us in a perpetual purple zone, our arbitrary metrics, a movable goalpost that has nothing to do with the virus. It has to do solely with power. Because if it had to do with the virus, what was he doing at the French Laundry with 22 of his cronies, shoulder to shoulder, no mask, uh, enjoying dinner, $15,000 bar bill. That wasn't the dinner. That was the bar bill. And, and it's a three-star Michelin restaurant. The appetizers are 400 bucks a plate. For 400 bucks. That's the average welfare check for somebody who's lost their job under this draconian, tyrannical governor. And and they're still not giving EDD checks to any of them because all of the uh, corruption and the money that's been going to the prisons with inmates who have been taking these welfare checks, it's just such a well-managed government. So impressed. But my point is this. You're looking at a virus that has a .05 IFR. One one hundredth of one percent death rate in our county, and that's if you say people who have died uh, 
with COVID. Yeah. We don't have to do from, we'll just do with. And if you've seen the latest Johns Hopkins study by Genevieve Brion, she is um, a statistician. And she took all the data from the CDC, and they had to pull this down as quick as possible. And I'll give a link to it. You guys will have access to it. She pointed out, uh, you know what? Can I pull it up? Yeah, or? please pull it up. Are, you're not bored yet? Not at all. Smile if you're lying. Okay. <laughs> that only hurts on the inside. So, so in relation to this, I want to read this to you. Um, the, the statistics are fascinating. So she pointed out that there hasn't been an increase in deaths in the elderly, which is where this, this virus strikes. They yes. say 70 and over with comorbidities. Yes. And if you look on the CDC website, there's been a drastic decrease in deaths from influenza, pneumonia, on and on and on. But there's been an increase. We're attributing over 200,000 deaths across the country. But we haven't had an increase in deaths in the elderly. They're just moving them from one category to the next. So week ending 4-11-2020, week ending 4-18-2020, week ending 4-25-2020. Heart disease is negative 1,190, negative 727. Cancers are down. Chronic respiratory is down. Uh, Alzheimer's is down. Diabetes is down. Flu and pneumonia, down. Uh, other respiratory, septem, septicemia, I, I, well, I'll try that later. The total decrease in all these deaths each week is a negative. But for COVID, it's plus. Plus 486, plus 2561, plus 1651. You'll see the, the chart. The point is, they just moved all of the elderly deaths into another category. And this is what they uh, assessed. They said, these data analysis suggests that in contrast to most people's assumptions, the number of deaths by COVID-19 is not alarming. In fact, it's relatively no effect on deaths in the United States. This comes as a shock to many people. How is it that the data lie so far from our perception? The reason we have a higher number of reported COVID-19 deaths among older individuals than younger individuals is simply because every day in the U.S., Older individuals die in higher numbers than younger individuals. Surprisingly, the deaths of older people stayed the same before and after COVID-19. Since COVID-19 mainly affects the elderly, experts expected an increase in percentages of death in older age groups. However, this increase is not seen from the CDC data. In fact, the percentage of deaths among all age groups remains relatively the same. Brianne noted, that 50 to uh, 70,000 deaths are seen both before and after COVID-19, indicating that this number of deaths was normal long before COVID-19 emerged. Therefore, according to Brian, not only has COVID-19 had no effect on the percentage of deaths of older people, here you go, ready? But it has also not increased the total number of deaths. Surprisingly, the deaths of older people stayed the same before and after COVID-19 since COVID-19 mainly affects the elderly. Experts expected an increase in the percentage of deaths in older groups. However, this increase is not seen from the CDC data. In fact, the percentage of deaths among uh, all age groups remains relatively the same. When asked whether the public should be informed about this exaggeration in death numbers, Darsamena, who is another one that they inquired of, stated that people have the right to know the truth However, COVID-19 should still continuously be treated as a deadly disease to safeguard the vulnerable population.
And then uh, I, I want to show this slide, and it comes from the vcemergency.com website, which is where we get our county data that we've been covering yeah. every night to the best of our ability. Not every night, but we've been showing our community because truth dispels fear. And so when the governor put us in this perpetual purple zone, he changed the metrics to being unattainable. And he wanted the seven-day average uh, rate per 100,000 for testing to be less than 1%. Well, that's impossible. This is a virus. The virus is going to do what the virus does. You take the most protected human being on the planet, which is the president of the United States, you can't come into his presence without a COVID test. I, I know because I had to go through that. And they stick that sucker so far up your nose, it just tickles your spine. <laughs> And, and everyone who comes into his presence has to be tested. He's completely protected, and yet he still got the virus. The virus is going to do what the virus does. And at 70 years of age, he overcame it. Everyone said he's going to die. He's overweight. It, you know, he's, he's the guy who's susceptible. He's got comorbidities. He's, he's a goner. We're waiting, you know. <laughs> Next thing you see, he emerges. He takes the mask off. He gives that thumbs-up deal that he does. And it irritated the press. They didn't know what to do with that. The point is, it is a contagious virus. Yeah. And, and early on when we didn't know the severity of it, we were willing to play by the rules. Yeah. But with the shifting metrics, we started to realize it has nothing to do with rules. It has to do with power. Yeah. And the seven-day PCR testing positivity rate is now what the governor does, which is, you know, this, this PCR is such um, uh, a non-conclusive test. It fails. But that's the one where you're going to get out of the perpetual purple zone, which is unattainable. And then the health equity day uh, PCR testing positivity rate, these are all absolutely insane. But this is what they did in our county. Our health official, uh, Dr. Robert Levin, who got a 12.5% pay raise while all of us were losing our jobs. Amazing. And 65% of our restaurants in our county will never reopen because they've ruined their life savings and destroyed their businesses. He gets a 12.5% raise. They're supposed to average test 150 people in our county of 850,000 people, 150 tests a day. They're doing 500 tests per day, which obviously is going to increase the positive test rate. So the percentage of ICU beds is what you really should track. So there's been a 16% available rate um, that's currently available. They want it to be at 20%. Okay, it's flu season. People need hospital beds. Uh, percent of ventilators currently available. We've got 79% still available. No one needs them. And the change in the three-day average of COVID-19 hospitalization uh, patients is an increase in 13%. They wanted it at 10%. Okay, fair enough. But here's the kicker. We haven't had a COVID death in our county since November 3rd, either with or from. And yet we have completely shut down our county. And now the governor wants to put us in a three-week complete lockdown that'll take us through Christmas. And this is the Grinch who stole Christmas. He's no longer Governor Mussolini. He's the Grinch. And he's, he just, it, it's a stench. The Bible says a good name is like a precious fragrance. Better is a day of a man's death than the day of his birth. Yeah. A, a fragrance is dependent on how your life lives. Yeah. Your name's either going to be a precious fragrance or a stench. At this moment, if he doesn't change his ways, his name stinks. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, that was, that was so good. You know, one of the saddest things, Rob, is that you've had to dig 
to get those statistics. You've had to dig because all we hear from the media uh, and all that we see from even our county health officials is the doom, the gloom, the negativity. We continually see uh, the agenda of our governor supported by a narrative in the media that, hey, there's a spike in COVID cases, COVID cases. Wait, 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 wait. No. There's been a spike in positive tests, but not positive cases. Those are two different things. I mean, I, I, can, I can point out to you 100 people right now who have had been tested positive, but they're not a positive case. They're like, what? I had what? 85% of the people who contract COVID don't even know they've had it. Yeah. It's a virus so deadly, you have to be tested to know if you have it or not. Yeah. Now, granted, there are some people who get it, yeah. and it's like a bad flu. Yeah. And there are folks that are susceptible with comorbidities. Yeah. But even in that case, when we look at the data, they're just moving the influenza and they're moving the pneumonia cases and calling it COVID and scaring the living daylights out of everybody and operating by fear. And here's the part that frustrates me. Good luck going into California data and finding the suicide rate in California. They're not showing that right now. No. Uh, you want to talk about a decrease in life expectancy. The average death of a, of a COVID patient is beyond the life expectancy of a normal American. But what about the young people who have lost everything that have committed suicide? How many of their years of life expectancy have you taken by your tyranny and what you've done to our state and ruining their future? This is unconscionable, and the church needs to stand in defiance of this tyranny. Well, I love what you said before. You said that the truth dis dispels fear. And, uh, and I just think that, that that's a really good reminder for us that we need to put, uh, because this, the city health officials said, listen, we want you to post on, on your Facebook, you know, for people with comorbidities, people who are elderly, hey, there's been a spike, there's been an outbreak in San Diego. We want you to... I'll tell you, 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 you tell them... We'll post that when you post your salaries and the money you get from every positive case that's tested and, and the way you benefit from that is you double dip on the populace with our tax dollars. It is the biggest scam on the planet. And they want to, to finger you guys? What, what, how, how are you going to prove that? You go into a Costco and I'm looking at your sanctuary. This place is immaculate. It's clean. You've got ionization. You, you're taking care of stuff. You go into a Costco or a Trader Joe's you're, come on, give me a break. This is a gimmick where they want to make money on our tax dollars, and they're going to try to pick on the house of faith. Sorry, it's called the First Amendment. Back up. You are way out of line. Hey, Amen. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that we need to, we need to put uh, a lot of these statistics that you're quoting onto, onto our website to educate people because Amen. there are so many people... That today, the you know, in uh, Elijah's day, he had 450 prophets of Baal, and then there were 400 prophets of Asherah. So, if you looked at the landscape, there was Elijah's voice representing the church, God, and then there were 850 voices. I mean, if you put them down to news outlets, there was one news outlet preaching the truth, and there was you know, 850 amening one another with all the negativity and all the fear and all the hopelessness and the echo chamber the echo chamber and we see we see that right now we, you know so i think that we 
we have stood behind our, our First Amendment, but probably need to step up our game. And I love what you're doing, how you're going online and you're educating your community, you're educating your people with these are the stats, these are the facts. You do not need to be afraid. Don't believe everything that you're listening from the mainstream media because there's a corrupted agenda that is. And, you know, we, we saw the same thing come to us where our city is double dipping and they don't want that to, to end. No, it, it's, it's a cash cow. I, I want to what I one of the many things that I absolutely adore about Awaken. One of the many things is that the folks who attend here are not nearly as old as you and me. Yeah, I mean, these are some really young people here. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really feel like I'm yeah. one foot in the grave when I come here. I mean, I, I have to take formaldehyde baths to preserve myself. But I want to I want to speak to that generation. Yeah. Because they've been indoctrinated and inculcated with a belief that they're somehow not supposed to be involved in politics. And, and that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You, you, you think that, that peace is the absence of conflict. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Jesus said, I've come to bring, I'm not come to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Christ and his blessing in the midst of the conflict. You are supposed to contend for culture. And, and, and you want to avoid people not liking you. Well, I, I wrote this to a young pastor who was struggling over whether or not to be involved in politics. I said, if shepherds are more concerned with adapting to culture for fear of being political, they will relegate culture to the secular progressives they seek to appease. Any pastor who says they are not political declare by that statement that they are. They are simply complicit with tyranny and believe peace is the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence and blessing of Christ in the midst of the conflict. Liberty is not man's idea, but God's desire for mankind. Shepherds must stand in defiance of this tyranny or surrender their allegiance to our Savior's declaration to set the captives free. You see, tyranny lies and operates by fear and wants to enslave humanity. We have watched as we have allowed this governor to destroy our communities. And the pastors who come at me and say, and say to you, and to awaken, don't you love your neighbor? Why would you subject them? I'm like, wait a minute, time out here, Sparky. I, I do love my neighbor. You're the one who doesn't love your neighbor. Yeah. I love my neighbor and that I am standing in defiance to the tyranny that is allowing the abused to be quarantined with their abuser, that allows the elderly to die alone without their families. I'm standing against the tyranny that is shuttering our schools, destroying our businesses, taking away everyone's life savings. And I am facing litigation. I'm being fined every Sunday. I have threat of going to jail, as do you, and we're ridiculed. And these pastors remain silent and complicit to this tyranny. I love my neighbor. You're just like a twig on the banks of a mighty river going with the flow while everyone in your community is being enslaved. Where's your backbone? Yeah. So, so you, you tell me you love your neighbor? What part of this virus merits what they're doing to us? You, you have bought the lie. The Bible says whatever things are true. Well, this is what the media says. Shut the stupidity off. Go dig deep and find the answers and do your homework. Pastor Rob, a lot of people don't know this, but you, you are not just a pastor, but you spent a season as, as 
uh, mayor in your your city. Can you talk a little bit about that? So it's not like you're speaking uh, from the sidelines. You're speaking as somebody who has operated in both arenas. Yeah, I... In 2014, I threw my hat in the ring to run for office as a state assemblyman. Uh, I'd, I'd taken a trip to Israel. I was a teaching pastor with uh, Governor Rick Perry on a trip. He was thinking of running for president, so he bought a bunch of big boys from Texas. To, and, I, and I was a teaching pastor, so it's like, free trip to Israel, I'm in. <laughs> so as I'm teaching on these sites, I combine everything with American history, because that's the way I operate. I, yeah. And, and, and I'll, I remember this one part, and it's kind of a long answer to your question, but you invited me, it's your fault. <laughs> we're, we're at the Mount of Beatitudes, yeah. and all these people gather, and uh, it's kind of like a, a timeshare deal. They get a free trip to Israel, but they got to listen to the pastor speak. And they introduce me, and they say, you know, here's Pastor Rob, he's going to talk about the site, and they're like turning off their phones, going, oh, here comes the, the pitch. And they all gather, and it starts to rain, they gather underneath this awning at the Mount of Beatitudes, and I said, look... I'm going to share with you the dying words of the very first Republican president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. April 14th, 1865, he's sitting next to his wife at Ford's Theater, and they hadn't had a quiet moment together, and the war's coming to a conclusion. He's holding her hand. He leans into her as John Wilkes Booth is approaching the back of his head with a derringer that would ultimately blow his brains out. He leans into his wife, and he says, my dear, when this is all over, meaning the war, I long to, to travel with you to enjoy walking in the footsteps of our Savior in Jerusalem. Bang. And I told all the folks present, I said, this backwoods Kentucky boy who had never had a formal education had been drinking from the streams of liberty his whole life, and he longed to come to its source. And you get to be where he never could. And for the next 10 days, I'd encourage you to drink deeply. Because... No president, and now this, this is a president that never professed Christ publicly. He never had formal uh, membership to any church. He was never baptized that we know of. But no one's ever quoted more scripture. You read his first and second inaugural address, it's remarkable. And Elizabeth Keckley, his aide, every time she looked over his shoulder uh, in, in the office of the White House, he was reading his Bible. His, his Bible was dog-eared. He had such a deep grasp of theology his writings are profound. And he understood the price that the nation had to pay. 2% of our nation's population died on a field of battle. 650,000 soldiers died to remove the scourge of slavery, slavery from the warp and the woof of the fabric of our country. There were 4 million slaves in America in 1860. Let's say that all of them died. Tragically, they, thank God they didn't, but just for the sake of argument, let's say all four million died. And here we are today, 2020. Every year in America, over 320,000 black babies are torn apart in the womb of their mother, and their parts are flushed into the sewers of our nation. 13% of the population in America is black. 6.5% male, 6.5% female. The 6.5% female, reduce that to childbearing years, 4%. 4% of the population in America is responsible for close to 40% of the abortions. It's a holocaust on the black community. Margaret Sanger set out to do this. She wanted to remove the, the undesirable races. And we talk about Black Lives Matter. Although BLM Inc. supports Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood supports BLM Inc. My point is this. When I shared this, 
people were moved. Shannon Grove comes up to me as I'm sharing these statistics. She says, you need to run for office. I said, all right. What? She was a, uh, an assembly member at the time. She said, you need to run for the seat that Jeff Carell's vacating. I said, look, I know we have a bicameral legislature. I just don't know what the lower house does. Let me do my homework. Yeah. I figured it out. I ran for office. I won the primary, lost the general. And my opponent who beat me by a few thousand votes, she vacated her seat on the city council. Everyone said, you need to run for her office. I was exhausted. That's like a woman who just gave birth. You know, let's have another child. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I ran for that. I was exhausted. I won by 52 votes. You know what they call somebody who won by, won by 52 votes? The winner. <laughs> I then won re-election by over 4,000 votes. I was mayor pro tem of the city on November 7th, 2018. When a gunman went into the borderline, that's a country western dance hall. He shot 12 of our young kids. Two of them were my congregants. One was um, a Marine who had survived combat areas in the Middle East. He took care of our special needs kids. The gunman killed him. And the coward took the gun and put it on himself. We lost Officer Ron Helis. And I know his wife, Karen, and she's precious. That was a tragic night. I was with all the families. I'd been a sheriff's chaplain. I stayed with all the families through the night into the next day, late morning, early afternoon when they were notified. And I told them, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. But you can't prepare for them telling you that your child is a victim. And the guttural screams and the cries. I was at every one of the funerals, save but for one. I officiated two of the memorial services. I was with every elected official in the county. We went through that hell together. And after that shooting, when I came home after the vigil, I was tired. I'd been up for 40 hours straight. We just had a contested election. I hadn't had any sleep. When I went home, my house was evacuated because the fires encircled our city. It, it, was, it was three days from hell. Anyone who says I don't love my city is very mistaken. And to think that I would perpetrate danger upon my community, they don't know what they're talking about. You see, when I made the decision on April 3rd to step down from that office, it was a Saturday before Palm Sunday when the governor had declared the church non-essential. He allowed abortion clinics to remain open. He called them essential while they eviscerated little babies. He allowed cannabis distributors to be considered essential in liquor stores, but not the church. In violation of the First Amendment, might I add. We hosted communion. A sanctuary holds 400. We did it for 10 people. It took three and a half hours to do communion. The, the media came out in droves, and to their credit, they, they said we were cleaner than any essential place in the county. And at that moment, I realized this governor doesn't give a flying flip. It has nothing to do with essential and non-essential. It's arbitrary. But this occurred to me, and I wonder, especially my, our fellow shepherds in, in the Catholic faith that look at the, the Eucharist as a literal body and blood of Christ, you're going to keep your congregants from the literal body and blood of Christ. Now, in our tradition, it's figurative, symbolic. 
But this is the one that got me. Leanne, my wife, Michelle, we're blessed men, right? Give me some. <laughs> Seriously, I, like you, I have to keep saying, this is my wife, not my daughter, you know? So. <laughs> right? Amen? Amen? Yeah. Now, as we talked earlier, they seem so sweet, but we know they're evil. Oh, hello. No, because hello. They, they connect tubes to Thou our body. Thou a prophet. Yeah, well, they connect tubes to our body. They steal our youth and transfer their fat, and it's... Why we sleep, it's not fair, and I, I don't, yeah. All right, let me get back to it. My point is this, if someone told you that your wife isn't essential, they'd be picking up their teeth with their broken arm. If we're the shepherds and we defend the bride of Christ, how can we tolerate a tyrannical governor in violation of the First Amendment of the Constitution he swore to defend, telling the church it's non-essential? So when I stood in defiance of that, I knew that the council would have to censure me. And they already had enough on their plate. So I stepped down. I'd worked hard for that seat. And then we opened up. And then May 31st, we just said, you know, after they embraced the BLM riots, 75% of the businesses in LA that were burned and looted were Jewish-owned, targeted, a hate crime. The governor praised them. I'm done with it. I'm done with him. I'm done with this lie. I'm done with the church being oppressed and sanctioned and, and silenced and censored. And pastors need to start standing. And if they don't, you can no longer declare that you serve a God who declares, I've come to set the captives free because you're complicit in this enslavement of the bride of Christ. So yes, long answer. I served in office. <laughs> Well, just, just as looking at the, the time ticking away, uh, John Wilkes Booth assassinates Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln leans over to his bride just moments before, says, when all this is over, the war is done. I long to, to walk in the footsteps of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in Jerusalem. Israel, Jerusalem. How magnificent that all the pastors of his day, the next day after his death... Uh, celebrated what an amazing faith, or was that not the culture of the day? You're good at teeing things up. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah, so April 14th is when he was shot. He actually continued to live until April 15th. And he breathed his last, and then he was numbered with the ages. This president who removed the scourge of slavery from the fabric of our nation, and in return, he got a bullet to the back of his head. You would think the pulpits in America would have lauded him. Instead, interestingly enough, if you look at the, the titles of the sermons across the country, they decried the fact that he died in a theater on Good Friday. It's moral pietism. So when your pastors and when I, in defiance of the governor, did our striptease and took off our tie. I actually got Christians saying, what a disgrace. And I'm like, have you read 2 Samuel 6? When David danced in his underwear, I took my tie off. It's this moral pietism when we are in the middle of losing liberty. Why don't you put that effort towards fighting for freedom instead of being so morally pietistic and causing the gospel to be truncated and myopic. 
And that's, that's really the time that we live in right now where one of the things that probably Leanne and I have been most discouraged about is how we found that the default to most pastors that don't want to fight is they, they go on that moral piety and they say, well, you know, Trump's tweets or Trump's past. And therefore, he is not a moral person. And then they'll champion and cheer for Joe Biden. Yeah, while who, he eviscerates babies in the womb at, at exactly. third trimester. Yeah, yeah. And, and, if, and if you can't handle Trump's tweets and you, you think him caustic and he's been three times married and twice divorced or whatever it is that you have used to justify your apathy and inactivity, that's fine. But just remove Samson from the Hall of Faith. Yeah. Name David. one moral thing about Samson's life. One, he was in a prostitute's bed all night and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Try to teach that in Sunday school. Why would God pick this guy and put him in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11? Judges 14.4. What Samson's parents didn't realize is God was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. God picked him because he was equipped to do something that God's people weren't. Fight against tyranny. Now, however you feel about Trump, name one president who's done more for the unborn. Name one president who's done more for religious liberty. And we are in the middle of them stealing an election with a president who's gotten over 74 million votes. And you're telling me that, that Vice President Biden got more votes than Obama did? Over 80 million votes while he was in his basement? And he didn't get those in all the counties across the nation. No, four states. No, not even four states, four counties. And not even four counties, four cities. And they all shut down. And then they got flooded with votes, 200% more than the registered voters in those areas. Oh, I buy that. And we're going to sit back and go, well, you know, we're Christians. We don't really get involved in that. All right. All right. You and the rest of Germany that was silent, you go ahead and scoot away from Bonhoeffer and Niemöller and let the people be enslaved. But not these young folks. They're going to fight. And if you want this generation to join you, join them because they care. They got a backbone. Come on, that's a drop-the-mic moment right there. Come on, he's, he's preaching better than we're responding. Come on, let's put our hands together. Come on, come on. Pastor Rob is going to be with us this weekend. He's got his associate pastor preaching up there, so we've finangled, snaggled him. And uh, so he's going to be preaching this weekend at San Marcos, Bresci, and San Marcos. Be careful. He's going to be doing that. Be careful. I have a gift of preaching a church down to a manageable size. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we love that. But would you, would, you say, would you say a prayer for us, and knowing, knowing that this is going to go out online, yeah. pray, pray for the pastors. There's a lot of churches that have been looking at us, and even now some of them are seeing the, the vicious assault and the persecution. Some of them are saying to themselves, wow, I'm so glad I stayed here. <laughs> so that I'm not taking the heat that you guys are taking. Um, Would you pray for all the pastors, all the leaders, those who are watching this, those who are looking to your church, looking to our church, those around our counties to to step up against the tyranny? Would you you do that? Would you just turn your palms towards heaven and just, just let this spirit rest on you? Thank you, Rob. Lord, I thank you that your word declares that love hopes all things. And I know that you have appointed these shepherds You've entrusted them to this multifaceted diamond, which is the body of Christ. But Lord, as love hopes all things, and we look out at the landscape of our fellow shepherds, 
and we watch as tyranny is on the rise, and they're silent. Lord, I know that they're peacemakers. I know that they, they don't want to willingly enter into conflict. They want to honor authority. But in the same regard, Lord, they can't be complicit to tyranny. I pray that this would be the moment that their eyes would be opened, that if they're doing what they're doing in order to avoid conflict and that they're afraid, well, it's, it's, it's clear that your word says you haven't given us a spirit of fear, yeah. but of power, love, and a sound That's mind. Right. Mm-hmm. You have declared that we would declare the truth mm. and that the folks would know the truth and the truth would set them free. Yes that we would remember what the Apostle Paul said to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. And he said that while he was in prison. Lord, liberty is doing what's right. Freedom is having choices, but those choices only come when we stand in defense of liberty. And so, God, please, I, I pray that if there be any man on this earth that would seek to enslave another, that would, in, would violate these inalienable rights. We live in a nation that declares it is our right and our duty to push back. If they would use Romans 13 as an excuse that somehow Jurgen and I are in violation of Romans 13, that you've appointed all positions of authority and that we're to obey that, we both agree that Romans 13 is exactly what they say, but what they don't understand, Lord, is that in this nation, a constitutional republic, the authority in Romans 13 is defined by the first three words of the preamble, we the people. Yes. And so, Lord, we're the authority. And those who govern by our consent in accordance with this nation and their laws. It is, it is implicit that they obey the Constitution they swore to defend. And when they violate that, we the people must push back. And so, God, we're not in violation of Romans 13. They are. Yeah. And I pray that that conviction yeah. would fall on them and they would repent. And they would stand in defense of their neighbors who are being eviscerated in this tyranny that they would stand in defense of the unborn, they would stand in defense of the abused, they would stand in defense of those who are losing everything they've ever worked hard to obtain. And I pray that they would stand in defense of their neighbors and in defiance of this tyranny. So God, please, give them courage. Let them realize that no weapon fashioned against them will stand. That they need not be afraid. That one man and God constitutes a majority. And they can walk in, out into that valley of Elah and they can take down Goliath. Yes. And they can just let go of that stone and they don't even have to worry about the direction because as David said, the Lord of hosts, he was surrounded by the angels of the Lord. They'll take that stone and put it right through the forehead of Goliath. Yes. And so God, please strengthen them, cause them to awaken. And we pray for a revival across this nation. Lord, strengthen our numbers that we would stand together for the glory of your kingdom that the, the captives will be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together. How awesome was that? Come on. 